Give me your best Gene. No. Gene! No. I'm not fucking doing it. Gene! Gene! Unleash your power, Gene! Or don't. Gene! Do some things. Done stuff. And bullshit and nonsense. Hello and welcome to the Omcast. In addition to the Grand Rewatch, we also see other films at the cinema as they come out. Today we saw what is supposedly the final film in the X-Men in the Fox X-Men franchise, X-Men Dark Phoenix, and we just got back from it. So, they'll do something which no one will give a shit about. Um, anyway. they, they, you're always sorry, Charles, and there's always a speech, but no one cares anymore. <laughs> right. That that <laughs> one moment. Right. Sorry to spoil this for everybody, but that is a line from this film. Yeah. That one line encapsulates Everything that has happened since X-Men 2 for me. Really? That's, that's a long time ago. Because people stand around talking and going, mutants are the thing, and everyone's just like, yep. I don't know. Uh, okay. Right, the, I, we differ on the X-Men yeah. franchise. I, and I've been reading about this this week. Like, I saw a post the other day that I really agreed with, which was I don't understand all the hate for the X-Men franchise because when you look at like the ratio of bad films to good films, yeah, there are far more good t- to great movies than there are bad ones. I think the only ones that are outright dog shit are The Last Stand and X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. I think it, the, it, all the rest of them, at worst, are mediocre. Yeah. At worst. So yeah. I don't understand why everyone hates them so much. It's not... It's, it's not it, I think it's... Other than just everyone. So, hi, readers. Sorry, by the way. Um, but yeah, it's for me personally, it's just a continuation of disappointment. Really? Yeah. But it's, like, because there's, there's, they've got so much in there that they could work with, but they always just rely on the same stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Like the and fact, the fact, that, this the fact the... that they've got Fastbender and McAvoy, which is great because yeah. they're brilliant. But leaning into them so much has made it boring. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know if it's the made scenes it that they're together, brilliant. But there's only so many times that I can go, I know Michael Fassbender is really fucking good. And I know James McAvoy is normally really good, with the exception of this one. Do you not think he was good in this one? No. Really? He was phoning it in. Do you reckon? Yeah. Okay. He's just like, oh, just Gene. Just like. Fucking hell, am I getting paid yet? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I don't know. Oh, Fastbender fucking kills it in this. He's brilliant. I think, I think, As I, ever. I think they're both great. You know? That's my biggest saving grace for this the last 10 years, basically. Mm-hmm. This, has been, this franchise has been going for 20 years. Yeah. That's the other thing with me, is that there is a certain amount of nostalgia attached to it. Like, I remember going and seeing X-Men 2 at the cinema. Mm-hmm. And like, and it goes, it predates the MCU. Yeah. It goes way back, and it just and it has all those sort of, all that attachment that you have to it. But like, yeah, I think McAvoy. I liked seeing McAvoy could be a different Charles Xavier in this because he was it was the the arrogant like at the start it was at the start. I think the, I think in the first half of it he was great. Like the the early scenes, like the, there was a couple of scenes that he had with Jean Grey, yeah, when yep. she was a little girl, and like the, I, I love that scene with the pen. Brilliant. That, that was perfect. I completely agree with yeah. that. It's brilliant. That to me. Is the with great power comes great responsibility yes. moment for this franchise? Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. It was absolutely, it was spot on, and I think he was really good. I think basically what's probably happened actually, thinking about it, 
is he's come back for reshoots, mm-hmm. and in the reshoots he's phoning it in. Yeah. And the early stuff, early on in the movie, he's all right. Yeah. That's and, what it and is. that's what I think has happened, is that in this, they've just gone... There, there, there's so many reshoots in this that it's just... It could have been great. Yeah. And that's the problem. <clears> it's the same <throat> with Apocalypse, is it could have been great, but it wasn't. But and Apocalypse wasn't bad. It wasn't, Apocalypse well, wasn't bad. It was just meh. Meh. And that's what this film is as well. Although I would say I think Dark Phoenix is better than Apocalypse. I... As it stands at the moment... Fucking hell. Put a gun to my head, I'd say probably, because I can't remember a thing about Apocalypse. Yeah, Yeah, fair enough. I remember it being the most criminal wasting of Oscar Isaac. Yeah, that's true. And what I remember about this is the thing at the start, they've really took a deep dive on the villains. The other thing I think I'll say as well is that this one definitely benefits. I think Sophie Turner does a really good job. In, she, yeah, in she places, does her best. Yeah, she does like, her best with what she, she's got. What she, but she gets given some really good scenes, like the scene with her dad. I think yeah. is very good, and that's a bit of a spoiler, I guess. But like, yeah, watch the movie or don't. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I think yeah. But before we point, get too too drastically far ahead, so as we normally sort of synopsize a bit. So basically, this story is the origin of the Phoenix Force going into Jean Grey and becoming Dark Phoenix and then battling against it. Yeah. It's about her getting the Force, coming to terms with it, it becoming a Dark Phoenix and yeah. what, what do they do? It's, it's a classic comic book storyline from the 90s, from the Chris, Chris Claremont era. It's been done already in the movies. They did it in 2006 with... Yeah. Um, with yeah, with that version of the Phoenix and that version of Jean Grey back in the old franchise, and they did she became the Phoenix and it was mm-hmm. all the rest of it. But that, I, yeah, that is definitely one of the bad ones, and that's one of the ones where like I won't buy it. I own most of the X Men movies in one yeah. format or another. I don't own Last Stand because it's just yeah. crap. And well, I don't it is, watch it's it. not good. Um, and part of that is because it's trying to it tries to be too many different things at once, whereas this one does keep the focus more or less entirely on the Dark Phoenix story, but... Everything it, else around it suffers. Yeah, but it does, but then... I don't know how else you would do it. Like, I don't think you can do a straight adaptation of what the Dark Phoenix story is in the comic books, because it's so convoluted and silly. Right. Like, so it's so yeah. stupid. So, the Dark Phoenix saga is probably one of the most comic booky things yeah. of comic book lore. Yeah. It's something that went on for years. Yeah. It's not something that is picked up and resolved in a single arc. It's about the origin of the Phoenix, Jean Grey coming to terms with the powers of the Phoenix, and then gradually over time losing control and being manipulated through this. Yeah, but that's like there's two two separate sagas. There's the Phoenix saga and the Dark Phoenix saga. Can't well, yeah. I mean, it it all culminates. The the Phoenix saga isn't that much of a saga. The Dark Phoenix saga is is the culmination of yeah. All of this coming together. So in the comic books, there's an accident, as there is in this with the space shuttle, which we've all seen in the trailers. She gets the powers of the Phoenix. And then over the next few years, they're all a bit like, oh, Jean's like crazy powerful now. She can do all sorts. She's so much more stronger. She's so much faster. She's got all these new abilities. She's got the ability to do pretty much whatever she wants. And then 
over time she encounters mastermind Jason Wingard who yeah. um they start to it's the Hellfire Club who start to manipulate her mind and then start to turn things around. She becomes the black queen of the organization and then over time again it builds up to her becoming and embracing the Dark Phoenix. Yeah. There isn't really a Phoenix and Dark Phoenix. The Dark Phoenix is no, as a result of the effects of Well, I think the the Phoenix saga's part of the story sets up how the Dark Phoenix part of the story ends because it's all about the um Shi'ar yeah, and the space element of it. So there's a whole race of space people out there called the Shi'ar and one of them, and they're after the Mkron crystal which is like a MacGuffin thing. So and then the yeah. Phoenix is the only one who can stop it and that's the whole thing and then they as a result of what happens in Dark Phoenix they then come back and put her on trial and it's so compl- I like I say I don't that you can't do it on film because it's just too No, they the don't top. and they shouldn't and they keep trying just because they're like uh Dave, what's that really good X-Men story? Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah, thanks. We'll use that one. Again. Like they they don't <clears throat> get it. They don't understand that just because it's a popular story and because it's one of the most famous stories, yeah, that it can work. You can't condense something that was literally years and years in the making into two hours. No. Um I mean yeah, and it and as a result of the story itself, the actual what they're adapting being so over the top and sort of cosmic and all the rest of it, they make shortcuts and they change things within this movie. Mm-hmm. And like some of it works, I think like making it more personal about Jean and making it about her backstory and her family and all the rest of it that does sort of work. Uh, yeah, to a certain extent, because it means that there is an actual trigger. Like I do think I like that that whole storyline they had with her parents, and I'll, I won't say any more than that. But I do actually think that makes sense and it does <laughs> sort of fit. And it's better explored in this than it ever was in the original version, The Last Stand. Yeah. And that is a complete deviation from the comic book, but that's another instance where, similar to like what we had with Shazam earlier this year, is like sometimes when you deviate, it's okay, it works, yeah. as long as it works, because things don't work, translate from comic book to film necessarily. But then they have, they try and shoehorn this whole thing with Jessica Chastain, her character, and that whole thing. And that oh, doesn't make any sense, because yeah. they're, again, you should, it, it's known now from the press tour and stuff, she's an alien of some sort. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they explained it yeah. in all the write-ups. They yeah, showed so she, it all in there. She's some sort of alien, and there's some sort of alien element to this, which is like a huge thing. They've never done that in any of the X-Men movies. No. They've never done anything extraterrestrial, so that should be massive. So but the thing it should about be an earth-shattering is... thing, but instead they sort of, it's like a second fiddle weird thing in the corner. Well, it's, <laughs> it's not even second fiddle. They just don't even explain it. The only thing that you pick up from these is that her saying, this energy force destroyed my planet. Okay. That's it. I want it. Okay. That's it. That's it, yeah. That's the only explanation that you have with the antagonist of this film. Although, yeah, what I will say, I like... They... I will say that the, the one interesting touch that they did do, which is um, to make... Because I checked this, because it stood out for me in the film, because I was like... I thought she was going to be Empress Delandra, yeah, who's the queen of the um, of the Shi'ar. Which, interestingly enough, funny funny point here is the reason that they explain why they're so human in appearance in the comics is that whereas humans had a common ancestor with modern day apes, the Shi'ar had a common ancestor <laughs> with modern day birds. What? 
but they still evolved into sapient forms. Um, but yeah, so that's why they look a bit weird. And they've okay. got funny eyes. You've got funny eyes. They and, used to be and, birds. And weird hair. Yeah. But only in the comic books, not in, the, not in this. In this, they just look like Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Um, but they're not the Shi'ar. No, they're not. They're, they're the they, Davari. Which is a whole different thing. And the Davari in the comic books is the planet that the Phoenix Force destroys yeah. when Jean's inhabited with it. Yeah. So she's meant to commit like a fucking genocide and wipe out an entire planet. And that's whole, yeah. meant to be part of the whole reason why. Anyway, we keep talking but about the comic books. But that's what I mean. No, no, no. What I'm saying <laughs> is that it's, it's a really interesting touch that they put that reference in, mm. but never addressed in yeah. the film. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it could, it could be done on a cosmic scale and it could be bigger and like, yeah. It, anyway, that's not what they did. This is it what they did. It just felt really rushed. Yeah. It felt I think really mishandled. When it, it felt like yeah. there was no care put into it. I don't know. When it does work, it's when there are tensions and arguments between the various members of the X-Men. Uh-huh. That's when it works. And there are a number of them, a number of standout scenes. I think one of them is actually, there's a really good scene between Nicholas Holt and James McAvoy. Yeah, that's a great scene. That's a great scene. That is a really, really good scene. It's basically, it's after the, you know, again, this is something they've basically spoiled, is that um, Mystique dies in this movie. <laughs> they've, 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 they showed it in the trailer and they've talked about it openly. Um, and that obviously, you know, rips the team apart and all the rest of it. But they have this great scene and it does, like, speak to that part of Charles Xavier that we've never seen before. Of, like, he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's the bad, he's the one who, who manipulates and, and puts things in a, certain way to achieve his own ends. And they and another thing they do in this, which is really interesting, I think, is the way they have the X Men set up in the at the beginning of the movie. They are a known entity and they have people cheering for them. And the the president has a phone that you can pick up and call Charles got a big Xavier. X on a got a big X on the phone. And, and they've like it's like a branding PR thing. But then they have that again, another really good scene, which I think is probably the only time when Jennifer Lawrence turned up was <laughs> she had a scene with Charles where she's like you're using us as like for your own ego. Yeah. Like is everything's got X on it and you're, and you're just putting us out there on the front line. You haven't risked anything. What the hell's going on? And Charles tries to justify himself and says, look, as long as people see us as heroes like this, we'll be safe. Yeah. And it is like a PR, you're right. It's a PR move, but like he, that's the thing with Charles is that, and that's something that I think they did well in this one is that he does bad things for a good reason. Yeah. He manipulates people. He, Changes thing, you know, like he what he did to Gene, he did for a good reason, but it was a bad thing to do. And it's the same thing with what he did with the X Men. He like he's putting them out front and sending big smiles, everybody. Put your costumes on and exploiting their powers and making mm-hmm. them do dangerous things and risking their lives. But the result of it is that mutants are treated fairly, and he can look after his kids, and he can yeah. And that's the thing, like, and that's what I mean is that the good things in this film are, are good are conversations. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. True, although there because are there are a couple of action beats that I do like. I'll watch Michael Fassbender kicking ass as Magneto yeah. all day long. I like the the fight that they have in the street. Whereas X Men versus X Men, that's exactly what this franchise does well, and that's what I actually quite liked about um, Apocalypse in the last one. It was that it was just X Man versus like mutant versus mutant, and it felt like the the cartoon, or it felt like the old. Yeah. I mean, that's just throwing down in the street. Yeah, but it never feels like when it's X Men versus X Men, or like you say, mutant versus mutant. It never feels like it. Just feels like somebody's going to get knocked over, or hit with a hair whip, or 
just true, tie, then tied the, up with a railing. Yeah, true. But then in this one, they do kill people, though. I mean, people die. And I was surprised how visceral it was when they did kill Mystique. I was surprised yeah, how much yeah. they showed. I thought they weren't going to show it. And they were like, oh, shit. No, okay. I you're, just you're, thought they were going to just puff her into dust. So did I. I thought it was going to be something like that or she'd just fall off a cliff. But instead, they were like, no, we're going to fucking impale her and we're yeah. going to show you. And like that's what I mean. That's when, like, because of that, it felt like it had a little bit more stakes. At one point, I thought she was going to kill Magneto. I thought all bets are off here. They could do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. They could just kill him. See, like, the thing is, I would have thought that in the point where he goes in to see her. Hmm. Except I've already seen the scene in the trailer oh, yeah. where he's on the train. On the train with the machine guns. Yeah. And it's like, just. This is the problem. This is why I try and avoid trailers as much as possible, is because if you pay attention to a trailer, as soon as you get into the film, you're like, right, this is going to happen here, this is going to happen here, this is going to happen here. And without sounding fanboyish, because the MCU does this fairly uniquely, is they put in false things in their trailer. Although, so did this film. Yeah. He didn't, say, he didn't say, he didn't our say our it. Line. He didn't say it. <laughs> he didn't say our favourite line, um, which is another reason why I think this film stinks. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. He doesn't say it. He doesn't say it, and it fucking ruined it for me. Um, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the thing... I think, to be honest, this film, Dark Phoenix, is like the perfect microcosm for all of the X-Men franchise, almost. Yeah. It's like it has these moments of brilliance or moments of, like nailing it in terms mm-hmm. of characters and getting great actors because that is something that they've had since day one is that the casts of these movies have been great yeah and that i got that real pang like right at the very end when they had a scene between charles and fassbender yeah sorry mcavoy and fassbender i was like oh fuck i've been watching these guys rage and they're so good and i just and i had that thought of oh they're gonna recast there's gonna be someone else playing these parts i don't want anyone else I want them. Like, yeah, and but that's the thing. That's how I felt about like, um, McKellen and Stewart. Yeah, know? and they were perfect as well. Like, they were perfect. They were bo- like both sets of these characters that we've seen have been absolutely perfect. And I just, I don't. I wish there was a way. I wish Marvel could find some sort of way to sort of soft reboot it and keep some of the actors, but they can't. They no, they have to do a complete not clean really, slate. Yeah, I mean that's part of the issue I and think. same with like Sophie Turner I think Sophie Turner does a great job in this she's like she's at an age where she could play that character for a long time if they did it right if they had like had her just become the phoenix not the dark phoenix just the phoenix mm. and then had her you know be a superhero in the phoenix costume as part of the X-Men for years to come and then the dark phoenix happens that's what's meant to happen yeah and that's the thing that's it has it has the potential to be the next big thing mm. in the MCU if they were to bring the X-Men on board, like you say, and have the Phoenix Force be something that builds up. There's a famous series that came out probably six or seven years ago called Avengers vs. X-Men. Yeah. Which is, I, you know, it's not exactly praised or the best, but it was I had great fun with it because it genuinely pitted these people against each other for the right reasons. Yeah. They were like, we need to do this for this. We need to do this for this. You can't have her. We just need her to do this. Yeah. And that's something that they could take on going forward. But the problem that we've got, if, like you say here, is the microcosm of the whole thing, is it is... It's There are great moments, but all in all, it's just a bit flat. 
Yeah, a little bit. I mean, and you're like, oh, oh fuck, because it's got so much potential to be yeah. so much better. Yeah, but it's just got shitty writing each time. Yeah, and it's just like, but then like, yeah, it has shitty writing, but then there are also scenes written like the pen scene, which is just yeah, perfect. Yeah, and and like, and the little like touches they have, like I remember one of my because I watched some of them recently this week. I love that bit at the very end of um, Apocalypse where they McAvoy and Fassbender do that. Um, exchange that uh, McKellen and Stuart had mm. where it's about oh, do you ever wake in the middle of the night you think they might come for you it's like oh that's great yeah that's great and it works in this context as well and it's just like that's awesome and letting them do it it's like I want more I want more of those guys um, but yeah and uh, there are th- there are things in here that just bug the shit out of me like I can't believe they managed to find a way to make it all about Jennifer Lawrence again <laughs> Like, I can't believe that, like, so they, they changed the whole of the Days of Future Past storyline so that it was entirely about Mystique. Because between movies, Jennifer Lawrence suddenly became the biggest fucking movie star on the planet. So they had to make it all about her. And then as a result of that, they've now got, like, three of the main characters who are just, like, like madly in love with Mystique. And yeah. so that means that they have to, like, spend a shitload of time. And that, like, becomes the motivation for a load of them. They fridge her. They fridge her. And then it becomes the motivation for like a number, more than one character in this movie. Yep. And the central conflict in the middle of it all, the big fight between like Magneto's lot and Xavier's lot, is because of Raven, because of her character. And it's like, for fuck's sake, could they not have their own agency and their own characters without being just. <laughs> no, they can't. No, can they? they can't. Oh, God, it's so frustrating. And then there's a point in this film that Beast decides that he's going to kill Jean Grey. Yeah. And he's like, well, we've got to kill her. And you're like, oh, okay. Off you go, Beast. Where are you going to be Beast or are you going to be Nicholas Holt? Or are you going to... No, he's got what, serum. He's, of course he's got fucking and the, that's serum. Well, he's got a serum about... And he's he's the incredible Beast. He, whether he's grumpy or not. He can turn into it on command. Oh, but then, like, I guess... That, it's a weird double-edged sword with that. Because, like, on one hand, he should just be the character the whole time. Mm-hmm. But what that means is that when he does have like an emotional scene like he did with Mystique yep. and he's under all that makeup he can't emote properly and he can't do his job I'm so you sorry laughed. I was laughing you were like, laughing your ass off. off why were you laughing because <laughs> it's two people in a film as silly as this and Both she's of- going and 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 readers forgive the spoilers here There's, there are lines that in this film that I'm about to recreate she goes and then, and then, and then, and then Beast responds with, "I was fucking wetting myself because that's supposed to be a powerful and emotional moment, and it's two people just making weird guttural sounds to one another whilst shaking." Under blue makeup, yeah. It's, At yeah. no point could I take any of that seriously. True, but then, like, so then the offset of that then is like, can you imagine if they'd had that scene that we both said is great, which is him and versus Charles, that yeah. argument they have? Can you imagine if he would had to do that under all the beast makeup? I, I, and that's it wouldn't the have thing. worked. It wouldn't and have worked. Thing, like, so you he have could to... he could have been under the beast makeup and lost his shit. He could have changed into it halfway through. He could have done something. There wasn't that much emotionality in him. You know, they can do a lot with it, but it's the fact that the camera was so close to their face. Yeah, I know what you mean. It was silly. <laughs> and it was just fucking 
ridiculous. I was dying, and I felt so bad because there were people around, and I was like, I, my lip is sore. I was biting so hard on it to try and stop myself laughing, but it was fucking brilliant. And uh, yeah, anyway, it undercut a very serious moment. Yeah, uh, and that's another point of the film you've reminded me of. So Gene, as you'll see in the trailer, turns up at this place and then they have a big fight. Yeah, and that's yeah. something straight from the comic book as well. So there are a couple of fights that happen that have particular locations. So she goes back to her family home and then there's a fight in the street with the X-Men. And that's straight out of the comic book. And that's yeah. what happens here. So that's cool. I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, though, like... Uh, the one thing I would say is that just by taking something out of the comic books, it doesn't always make it better. No, it doesn't. But we, what they've yeah. done here is is they've taken something directly out of the comic books and you're like, cool, they're being respectful to the material. And then all of a sudden they're fighting. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, Storm just fucking rocks up and she's like, lightning! Well, no, I don't, she, don't they, no they start, doesn't, Charles tries to talk her down and then when that doesn't work, he sends Scott in to talk her down and that doesn't work. And that is only, they do, they don't just immediately start shooting at her, do they? They just go for, they no, pretty much no, go, like Scott he walks tries. up. And then as soon as the thing happens with the police cars, they yeah. start attacking her. Yeah, that's when they go, right, we've got to stop her. Because yeah. that's the reason, that's when, but, like... And that's another thing that I did like as well, like as part of that earlier scene with Charles, where he talks about, look, this is so delicate, this balance that we've got here. The minute we do anything wrong, huh. we're, because we're in the public eye and under that much scrutiny, the minute any of us do anything wrong, or we're seen to cause destruction or anything like that, we're fucked. Yeah. And, yeah. Like that's got like so they send in laser eye boy lightning girl. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I'd like yeah, I, I do. I can't. I need to watch the scene again or whatever. But for me, it, like they did, they tried to talk her down. It didn't work. Police turned up. She flipped out on them, and then they were like, right, well that's it. We got to fucking take her down. But then yeah, but they go in like a hundred percent. And then, but then like at one point, Hank pulls a gun, and Charles says, "No, wait, I want Raven to have a go at talking her down," mm-hmm. which was the mistake that we didn't find out. But like. He did try, like, there were a number, there were a couple of attempts in amongst all the lightning and shit where he did try and talk her down peacefully. Yeah. I'll give him that. Between um, between bolts of lightning being fired at the girl. Oh, hold on. F- you finish, th- finish that one. What were you saying? Oh, sorry, there was another one, was there? Yeah. So, something about family? All right. Something about family? Oh, no, that wasn't you saying that. It was just lightning, was it? And I just, I loved the school was like fully up and running. The school there was loads, really there was loads, organic. Like, it was really, like, it was just in the background and the kids were like looking up to the mm-hmm. X-Men and wondering what was going on. The X-Men themselves were teaching classes. There was the bit where they were all having like on the campus grounds having like a party afterwards, after yeah. the other thing. Dazzler, was, Dazzler was there, like, which is again another little thing they lifted from the comics. Uh, but yeah, it's just, let's just, it just, say, it's just moments of greatness. Just, but they don't tie together properly. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's a shame. But uh, knowing but, this is the last one that we're gonna get. Yeah. How did you feel? I felt yeah, it was like I say, it was a bittersweet sort of exactly what because I, I went in with low expectations, obviously. Yeah. Um, I th- I actually think it's interesting because the last episode we had was Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah. And I went into that with much higher expectations, and yeah. I felt disappointed. With this one, I had no expectations whatsoever. Yeah. And I actually quite like, enjoyed it for the most part. Mm-hmm. There was stupid shit. <laughs> there was a lot. <laughs> but I enjoyed it for the most part, and it was better than I was expecting it mm-hmm. to be. Like I say, I do. I genuinely think this is probably better than Apocalypse, which I didn't think was that bad anyway. But anyway, 
I feel like, like I say, is like the perfect microcosm for this mangled mess that is the X-Men franchise up to this point. Yeah. It is, there are parts of brilliant stuff. A lot of that comes from the cast and the mm-hmm. performances. And there are a couple of good action beats and stuff. Like, I was surprised how well the, the um, the train sequence worked, given that we know that they then, they reshot it. I was yeah. surprised, like, there was some, like, Nightcrawler got some cool stuff to do. Yeah. Oh. Like, oh, he's just stabbing people now, is he? Yeah, he went nuts. Okay. Because they're not people. He realizes they're not people, and they're just fucking... It's like, hey, if you've got no problem with that, then that means you've got no problem with Peter Parker activating instant kill. Same thing. I have got a problem with that. Oh. I'm I've like, always the, had a problem You're the one that. who does have a problem with that. Yeah. I forgot. I've always had a problem with that. So Okay, well, there you go. Peter then. Parker doesn't kill. Okay, neither's Nightcrawler. So. No. Okay. Nightcrawler has a sword... But it's because he really likes Errol, F- Errol Flynn films. He likes being a swashbuckler. Yeah. Um, he has killed, and it's devastated him. Yeah. But in this, he's like, fuck it, I'm going to stab him with my tail. But they're not real people, they're aliens, they don't count. Sure. Anyway, and that, and there's a bit, some bits of Magneto just, like, fucking wrecking shit. Yeah, like, that, that's the thing. Cool. Like, the, the fight choreography in this is great. Yeah, I was actually surprised how good that was. Yeah. But it's and yeah, but it's one of those things. I, I and I didn't hate it. I just I don't think I don't even think it's the worst comic book movie I've seen this year. I think it's probably better than Hellboy. Yeah, yeah. It's more more coherent. Yeah. Well, and actually, no, it is, which is coherent. astonishing when you think about the amount of like this kind of surprised me. And I don't. It's another weird comparison. I'm not saying they're there anywhere near the same level. But it reminds me a little bit of um, Rogue One. Okay. Because Rogue One, we know, had a lot of, like, yeah. issues behind the scenes. There was stuff, you know, reshot. There was, like, they reshot the whole movie by the look of it. And then they, they cut things. There were things in the trailers that never ended up in the movie. Mm-hmm. It was a whole different version of the movie. And then it turned out, and it was really good. And it was like, how the fuck did that, like, this should be a train wreck. And same with, like, Solo is another good example of that. Yep. They stopped making it halfway through, switched directors. Yeah. And this, Dark Phoenix, is like... They've changed the release date a couple of times. They were rewriting it on the fly. They changed the bloody the final act. So the fact that he does kind of hold together and isn't an absolute train wreck, which is what I was expecting it to be, yeah. is astonishing. But yeah. I, I'm amazed that it's not as a complete fucking dumpster fire. Yeah, and that's a lot. I agree. Like The fact that this film came out with a beginning, a middle, and an end is astonishing. But I just I couldn't I couldn't possibly if 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 somebody turned around to me and said should I go and see X Men Dark Phoenix I would say did you enjoy all the other ones and if they said yeah I thought they were all great I would punch them in the head <laughs> fuck's sake don't no I wouldn't. no <laughs> I would I would say I would say yeah go and see it and if they, if I said have you enjoyed all the other ones they went yeah they're all right I'd say don't bother don't waste your money. Yeah, fair because point. it's if it wasn't for this podcast, I wouldn't have seen it because I just don't care about the X Men films anymore. Oh. Which is which is sad because is sad. as I've said on previous podcasts, the X Men for me was one of the comics that I always bought consistently. Always bought Spider Man. Always bought Avengers. Always bought X Men. Yeah, I love the Avengers versus X Men um, sort of saga that they did. 
I know a lot about the X-Men. I pick up X-Men comics. I still do when I can now. I haven't for a while, to be honest. But it's still one of those things where I'm like, this is great. But then when I watch the films, I'm like... Yeah, I don't know. I've, for me, like, I, yeah, I've always been a fan. Like my big, my fandom of it comes from like the nineties cartoon. Yeah, it's mainly more than anything. And for me, it's like to see those characters depicted well on screen, mm-hmm. which more often than not they are. Like, do you know what I mean? Like Charles by going to see James McAvoy playing Charles Xavier and etc. Yeah. etc. Et all those people playing those parts is enough for me to go and yeah. keep watching them. Because, like, yeah, regardless of what the fucking the plot or the script or whatever, I know at least I'll see a cool version of a character that I like, a live action version of a character that I like. Yeah. Played by an actor that I like. Yeah. And that's. And that was enough to keep me coming back up to this point. Now they're at a crucial nexus point. And it's going to be obviously taken over by Marvel Studios and they're going to do a complete reboot. I think what they should do is Disney Plus TV. Right. I don't think I think they should realize that. I think this is gonna like because by the looks of it, this is gonna bomb. Is like, it? Yeah, it's looking really bad. Okay. <laughs> um, like I think Thursday night previews, it, it took like five million. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, that's, it's like, that's not good. It's the worst reviewed one yet, which I don't think is fair. I don't think it's the worst X Men film by any stretch. Anyway, um, I think people are just poised to hate it, aren't they? They just they they're already the, the people that decided it was another, another one of those that people that decided was shit before it even came out. Um, well, no, I don't. I don't think people have decided it's shit. I think people have decided they can't be asked. Yeah. But anyway, regardless of that, I think what that means is that Marvel Studios, when they get a hold of this, they're going to go right. People are fatigued and bored, and they can't be asked with more more excellent movies. Yeah. We can't if we put another one out, and people get confused about it, all the rest of it. I think what they will do is have a, a reboot of it, and it will be a TV show, and it will be a TV show around. Xavier's school and you yeah. build up those characters and it will be kind of a bit like what they did with um, Spider-Man Homecoming okay, where they cast a lot of young kids and it's like a high school sort of drama sort mm-hmm. of knockabout drama and you've got Xavier there and all the rest of it and then if it works then they can have what would effectively be like a season finale where like something like Magneto turns up yeah. and there's a big fight that becomes your first feature film mm-hmm. where you put it out and that's like at the half, having done a whole 10 episode series yeah because that's what they're talking about now is that the whole the fran- the franchises and things that they're doing on Disney Plus like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and all that are going to be linked to the movies and things that happen in them are going to affect and bleed over into the movies yeah. properly like they should have done from the beginning. So that I think is probably what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean that sounds good. I th- I think it lends itself having... to like these story arts like we talked with Dark Phoenix like they lend themselves to TV more than film you can't yeah. do them in no, film no 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 because then that's the thing because they have such drawn out built upon narratives yeah a lot of the X-Men stuff does yeah there, so, are, there are short bursts of things that are that are easily made into films like for example X-Men 2 yeah somebody coming after Wolverine to get him back into the Weapon X program yeah or like Magneto being a baddie mm. and then the X-Men have to stop him but all of this stuff especially with the X-Men is so gradually built up yeah. to that's because why, it is yeah. it is two sides of an argument and especially in, in a modern day they can use Xavier and Eric as an example of the the two poles between sort of 
left and right politics now. So they could have the, you know, the modern day interpretation of people feeling different, which is what a lot of people, which drives a lot of people to one side or the other is they, they feel exploited. They feel pushed out. They don't feel embraced by society. So they go to this one group that will accept them. Yeah. And they turned because of that. Yeah, I mean, it... and it's never, it's never felt like it's been that cared about. That's my main issue with the, all of the X Men films is it never really felt like there was a consistent arc of people caring. Mm. And it's not me blaming the filmmakers; it's blaming the studio because of you look at what Matthew Vaughan came out and said recently. Yeah, the reason he walked away is because Fox insisted that Days of Future Past would be the next film after First Class. And he said, oh, no, I was going to build up to that in three films. And they went, no, we're doing that. We want to do it now. We love the idea of getting all the cars together with a time travel story. And he was like, right, well, I don't want to do it then. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. It's the studio interference. And that's that's what I feel like Marvel will be able to do. Like the fact, look at what they've done with Spider-Man is that they've started so small. Mm-hmm. And they know they've built in their longevity of that franchise because they're going to keep it like slowly building up. They know yeah. that like, they're going to get to like Sinister Six, but yeah. not yet. They build slowly, and I feel like that's what they could do with X Men. But because of the the nature of those storylines and the amount of characters there are, and all mm-hmm. the rest of it, to do it justice, I do feel like a TV show is the way to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it, a TV show that builds up yeah. is better than just a film, a film, a film, a film. If they did something, look, because that's the thing: it's stop making everything. A big world-changing event. Yeah. Stop making it that Magneto's got a machine that can turn people into mutants and then puddles. <laughs> Stop making it Dark Phoenix, where all the mutants live in the woods and we can move the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. Stop making it about this. Stop making it just the most successful and best one they've done is a very small story. Yeah. The next one after that was a smaller story with First Class. They made Days of Future Past, which people really enjoyed. Um, which was yeah was a grander scale because it had time travel in it but fundamentally it was all around stopping one person killing another person yeah but even so they I mean, the just be- need to lower it a bit I mean, the best slow one it they, up the best one they've ever done is Logan yeah Logan is by a mile the best exactly. X-Men movie and it's like I say there is absolutely no earth shattering events it's entirely character driven yeah. and it's great and that's that, that is like again another little sort of nugget of the things that work in this movie and the things that work in Apocalypse and the things that worked in Days of Future Past are all the character based stuff mm-hmm. if they can just get back to that then it will work yeah um, but, but yeah we can only hope for the future but th- this is the the end of this chapter um, it would seem although there is that dangling thread out there of New Mutants so it'll be interesting yeah, to see what happens that'll be that. interesting um, whether Marvel Studios will get involved in that which is my sort of tinfoil hat theory is that they will um, but I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, it might be the... I don't know. It might be the, the Siamese twin that they keep in the attic, isn't it? Like, with the Inhumans. I don't know. Cause, yeah, I don't know. They, they just the, ignore it and push it out of the way. But they've just, they've just sort of moved the the release date for that movie again for another year and they, they put, they're putting more resources into it. They're putting more reshoots. And it's like, you think if they were just, if they were done with it, they would just shove it out and have done with it. But I don't think they are. I think they might be doing something. I reckon they might. I think they probably got a plan for it. I mean, the thing is, they're not in the hole for it at all. Fox no. are. 
Yeah, and they've just bought Fox. So now they so go, right, well, this is, we've acquired this. They can put it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. They've And it's not going to make any difference to it whatsoever. No. If um, somebody signs up to Disney+, Plus just to watch that, then they've already made money. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a case of, yeah, it's coming out in 2020 now. As far as I'm aware, it is still getting a theatrical release. Yeah. I feel like you could do something where you go, that will do a new trailer or something. And it will be there will be some sort of little nugget that will reveal that oh yeah it's part of the Marvel universe mm. and everyone will go <gasps> suddenly the, the interest in that movie will fucking skyrocket yeah. and it will then make its money back. Do you know what I mean? And like they, that's the power that they've got now. Yeah, with, with the well MCU. they've got the MCU brand in itself is more important than a small part that they might lose a little bit of money on. Yeah, but yeah, and the fact that we keep talking away from the film. Yeah, true. Me, I mean, is, I don't know. it's disappointing. That's the problem, as we've said before. Like, my issue, I think now is probably a good time to sort of sum it up. Mm. My issue with the X Men films is that from two, there's never been consistency, there's never been cohesiveness, and there's never been care. Yeah, they... it just felt like somebody went, that one worked, make another one. What about after that? Don't care. Just make another one. Okay, yeah. that one worked. Cool. Make another one. It didn't ever feel like there was anyone was putting the time or the effort into making this a cohesive thing. They were just make the next one. Yeah, but that, I think one. that's the, I think that's part of that issue that you have with it is that a symptom of the Marvel effect in that that's what we expect now. No, it's not even that. It's the same that I've had all the way through. But I feel, yeah, we expect now there to be that care about it and to be for there to be that careful plotting and like things thought out over a long period of time. Mm. That's what we've come to expect because of Marvel, because of the way the MCU's run. And it is the way it should be done. I'm not, I'm not yeah. denying that out, but it's a case of, I think a lot of the time now with a lot of these franchises, we project that expectation onto them. We go, well, there should be a shared continuity. Why doesn't that work? Why? Why is that actor playing that part? What that doesn't work? Oh shit! Then and then, just, you know what I mean? That's what people do. They just go. They go. Oh well, you haven't. You haven't thought this through. You haven't. You haven't planned it meticulously in a boardroom with Kevin Feige for the last twenty years. No, but that's. I'm not saying that because the majority of these things have come out, and I've been disappointed with before M- the MCU had this cohesiveness that it does today. Mm. You know, think about what, what year did the Avengers come out? 2012. 2012. First and Class came out in 2011. Yeah. First Class is good. I like First Class. First Class is okay. <laughs> Most people like First Class. For a lot of people, it's their favourite one. Uh, yeah, I, I know people that think it's great. I really do. But, like, 2 is always going to be the pinnacle, for me, of X-Men films. Okay. Logan is, yeah, is a better film than all of the other ones. But it's not really an X-Men film. No, not really. But at the same time, like... It's just this. It's not even the Marvel effect. It's just. It's just one of those things where you just feel you just they go on. It, I don't know. It felt. It always felt really corporatized. Yeah. It always felt like they had the license and they were just going to make something and be like, "What do you like, Dark Phoenix? Yeah, you can have that. What do you like, uh, First Class? Yeah, you can have that. First Class worked out really well. Oh, what's what's another big Marvel story? A uh, big X Men story? Like Days of Future Past? Fuck it, yeah. Let's do I that. Think that's the, it. The, never felt like somebody was like, "How can we follow First Class?" Well, that's the thing. The creatives behind it did. So, like Matthew Vaughan had a plan for a trilogy, yeah. and the third part of that trilogy would be Days of Future Past. Yeah, and he pitched that to Fox, 
And that was his problem. Yeah. By pitching it to Fox, they got they saw money in their eyes and go, <gasps> we can do Days of Future Past, we can get all the old cars back as well, make it a big event. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. And they just, they bit it because yeah. he, like, he made the mistake of pitching too far ahead. Yeah. He should have just pitched one at a time. Yep. And then, yeah, and that, I think, again, is another little microcosm for the whole thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a case of, like, again, like, the, the, if Brian Singer had stayed on to do X-Men 3, everything could have been so different. Because, like, I think X-Men 2, another good thing about X-Men 2, and that is why it's still up there as one of the best, is that it does set up the Jean Grey Phoenix thing yeah, quite well. Like, they, they have the whole thing about she's got this power in her that she doesn't quite understand, and Scott's saying, you're, you're shaking the entire house every time you have a nightmare now. What the fuck? Um, and there's not much more to it than that, apart from that very little bit at the end, and it's a tiny little, like, very subtle thing that you barely even notice, which is you see the Phoenix in the in the water, and then that's it. And it's yeah. like, oh, that could have been a great trilogy if he just stayed and done it, but instead he went and made fucking Superman Returns. Well, yeah, he's... I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like... And now here we are. So they fucked up last class, last stand, and then fucking here we are 10 years later, more than that, 15 years later almost, and we're just having another go at the same story and not really getting it right again, to be honest. I mean, like I say, it's better... It's better than fucking um, The Last Stand, but it's still not what it should be. No. Because they uh, they only introduced this version of Jean Grey in the last movie. Yeah. So you've got... No, you've got to build her up over a long period and her relationship with Scott. They had like 20 years almost in the comics of introducing Jean Grey as Marvel Girl Yeah. before they introduced Phoenix. Yeah. And since then, Jean has become one of the most significant characters in the Marvel Universe, in the comics. Yeah. When Jean... Jean spends a lot of time dead. Yeah. But then she also spends a lot of time alive. And when Jean comes back, it's always a massive deal. Because everybody knows that she's the Phoenix, and everybody goes, oh, fuck, we're all in trouble here. Yeah. And that's the thing, is by bringing somebody in in the last one and having her do a bit of hand-up fingers to head psychic abilities doesn't really say that. lend itself so again this is probably something you don't remember because you haven't seen it see it for a long time anyway but at the very end of um apocalypse mm. she does the she accesses the phoenix power and the phoenix yeah. comes yeah. out and it's only through her that they're able to defeat apocalypse yeah because charles and, couldn't do it and that makes absolutely no sense with what they've done in this movie because exactly. in this movie she only gets the phoenix power by going into space and getting blasted with it so how does she have it before? Doesn't make any sense because they, like you say, they don't take the time, they don't take the care. They just no, go. They, don't. they just go right. We've got to set up the next movie in this movie. They always yeah. think about setting up the next movie, whether it makes sense or not. Yeah, doesn't matter. No, there's no steer. There's no collaboration. There's no. There's no unified message no. at all, and that's the thing. Like that, we were starting to get a unified message with like the DC universe, for example, the yeah. DC expanded universe. It was going to be Snyder's universe. He's come out on Vivo or whatever it's called, that social media platform that nobody uses, and keeps telling people about what he was going to do. If you look at it, he was working on this formula. Yeah, but the fact that it was received so poorly, they completely fucked it up. The studio just waved in, started throwing money at other people and saying, oh, we get this guy in, he did all right in this, and then, well, we did this and we can get this and we can change this and we can change that, which made it all a fucking mess. By having that cohesive vision, 
it would have been I think it would have been better. Oh, yeah. It still would have been a betrayal of the character in my mind. Yeah. But it like for Superman and for Batman and for this, that and the other. And it all felt really stupid and rushed. And yeah, he is but it would have they would have been better. Yeah. All in I, all. I've always said that. I've yeah, I've said said I'm not one of those release the Snyder cut. I'm not that, but what I would have like, I just want a consistency and like commit to your filmmakers and allow yeah. them to make the movie they want to make. Yeah, and that's again something that Marvel has managed to do. Although there have been instances where they have clashed with filmmakers and filmmakers have walked away. Yeah, but when they do get it right, you get things like Full Ragnarok, where you get Taika Waititi making exactly the kind of movie he wanted to make, and it still fits in and ties in, and then sets up Infinity War. That's perfect. And that's the thing. It's having that honest and collaborative approach works. Mm. You know, and then you... Yeah. It's right. Anyway, we're going on. We've spoken spoken about other films for about 20 minutes so far. Yeah. Um, But what I would say is, it's just, again, just a disappointing ending to a disappointing franchise. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like I say, to my mind, there's a lot more good in terms of movies generally than there is bad in yeah. this in this franchise um and for that i always like have a little bit of nostalgia for it and a little bit of things that i'll enjoy and like to say the cast is the main thing for me um so this was a bit of a bittersweet sort of ah, damn it could have been so much better never mind moving on sort of thing yeah um and that's basically how you got to look at it so if you have enjoyed this franchise if you enjoy the, the these versions of the characters i would say go out and see it it's probably not as bad as you've been led to believe it is. It is. No, it's not. It's not as bad as it like. But it's getting absolutely trashed. Oh, I've just seen reviews of people just going, "It's disappointing," but it's a disappointing end to something that's been disappointing for a long time for a lot of people. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, fine. I don't think it's. I don't think it's getting a kick in. But no. I think at the same time, like, I just my final wish <laughs> of all of this. Is I just wish they would have all been better. Yeah, yeah, and, and they, they deserve so much more. They do, and we'll get it. We will get it. Maybe we'll, we'll, but... no, we will. And, and I'm not. I don't want to rush into it. I don't want. No. I don't want a hard turn into something new right away. I know it. I'm quite willing gonna... to wait the five years that five years said. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I. I don't think. I don't think it will be for a while, no. and that's why I think it's more likely to be on the TV side of things because that is something that can ramp up slowly and they can start mm-hmm. building towards that they're already talking about the series that they have got planned are like event series they're not things that are going to run and run and run forever no like there's not going to be a second series of falcon and the winter soldier it's only going to be one yeah and so that means that when they've done that and it's successful they'll go what's the next thing we can do and they'll yeah. go right next round of marvel tv disney plus stuff we're going yeah. to do x-men and everyone's going to go <gasps> amazing do that yeah and it will be at a time when we are ready for it It'll be yeah. a few years down the line. People will have forgotten about this movie and people will be ready for it. And then if that TV show is then successful, then we'll get an X-Men movie, but that won't happen until like 10 years from now, maybe. No. Before we actually get a full-fledged X-Men movie in the MCU. Um, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be fine. But if you know, if this, <laughs> this is an example of how not to do it, I guess. Yep. And um, it costs them a fucking ton of money. I, I would, I would, I'm desperate to see how much this film costs in total. I think, well, just with the, including reshoots, reshoots, and the marketing budget because they are shoving this down people's throats. Because there's another one of those where they're trying to get all their money on the opening weekend because they know mm-hmm. the minute people see it, they're gonna, yeah, tell everyone, tell everyone it's crap. But yeah, so but anyway. I think yeah, it should probably wrap it up really. Yeah, 
Um, um, the next thing that we've got is to stop us constantly banging on about Marvel. Yeah. Um, the next thing we've got is Men in Black. Men in Black. The universe is expanding. <laughs> <laughs> they can't fucking help themselves, can they? And okay, uh, like everyone's got to try and do it. Everyone's trying to do it. So yeah, Men in Black. Men in Black International yep. is the new sort of soft reboot of the Men in Black franchise where it's going to be Chris Hemsworth and Tess Thompson. Tess Thompson. So yeah, we're not going to talk about Marvel. <laughs> no, um, we're not going to do it. Yeah, and they are basically doing a new version of Men in Black, but it's sort of set in the same universe. Um, it doesn't negate all the Will Smith movies that came before. No. Uh, but that's how next week we're going to watch that. Um, and, you know, we'll have fun with it. Yeah, fuck it. Like, the Men in Black films are pretty inoffensive I don't know I, I haven't seen it in years but I remember the second one being one of the first films I ever went to go and see in the cinema as a kid and or whenever, however old I was when I came out and realising oh my god this is really bad I don't remember it no the second one's fucking awful uh-huh. third maybe, one's alright maybe right. I haven't seen it third one's alright third one's alright purely because of um, <laughs> Josh Brolin playing a young version of Tommy Lee Jones oh, and absolutely nailing it. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. Then. Have you not? Oh, dude, okay, yeah. We'll so do... it looks like I've got a busy weekend. Yes, me? you have. Oh, mate, yeah. Men in Black 3 is actually genuinely So really we got good. the Men in Black, Black trilogy next week? And no, then... I, think, I think, well, it's out on the 14th. Is it? It's next Friday. Oh, fuck, I haven't got time to watch four films in that. No, well, we'll, we'll I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. Anyway. You can find us on all the socials. Yeah. So we're the Omcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on the Omcast pod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email, if you want to tell me off, if you want to send me a diagram of how the timelines don't work in the X Men films. I've got one. If you how it wanna... work. Oh, I don't believe you. We've done it before <laughs> and it didn't work. We did it on a whiteboard, Dom, and it didn't work. It works perfectly. Anyway, this franchise is dead. No, if you if you just ignore everything that everyone says and does, then it works. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so um, yeah, I think that that sort of about does it. Thanks for listening, and um, yeah, we'll see you next week for Men in Black talk. Yeah. Something to do with Men in Black will be happening next week. Something Men in Black. Something Men in Blackish. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Is there a single point in this film where there isn't a score in the background? I don't fucking think so. I think there was music from the very opening of this film to the very end. Uh. There was no point in this film that was punctuated with anything other than having a score in the background. Because it's something needed to tell you what was the, the tone that they're going for. Because otherwise, there's no way of knowing. <laughs> there's literally no way. That, I mean, yeah, that guy fucking earned his money. Fucking hell. Jesus. Good old Zimmer. Was it Zimmer? Yeah. Was it? Score. Yeah. Right, I think, well, we think we got the, okay. uh, <clears throat> fucking hell.